Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show. Today, we have a very interesting topic, I think one that's extremely needed and very current. We're talking about black lives and how they matter. I have on the co-authors of the book, Stay Woke, A People's Guide to Making All Black Lives Matter. Tahima Lopez-Benyasi and Candace Watt-Smith are scholars and educators, and they're co-authors of the new book, Stay Woke, A People's Guide to Making All Black Lives Matter, which sheds the light on the evolving effort to bring attention to the precarious nature of black lives in our country. Stay Woke is an essential guide to understanding how racism works and how racial inequality shapes black lives. It also offers a clear vision of racially just society and helps to equip and empower us to become effective racial justice advocates and anti-racists. Welcome to Hema and Candace. Thank you so much. Thank you, Patricia. Yeah, yeah, great to have you both on. All right, so let's just start at the very beginning and kind of explain, I think, you know, really explain the title, not just the title of the book, but why the Black Lives Matter movement is is so important and necessary and what it really is. Whoever okay, wants to start. Take that? Go ahead, Candace. So um, we were motivated. <laughs> we are motivated to write this book um, by listening to our students and people in our community who um, were kind of perplexed about why a movement uh, proclaiming that Black Lives Matter would uh, come up during the president during the during the first black president's um, administration, and so you know it, it is such a jarring thing to see. But um, also during that same administration, um, it became quite clear to a larger number of Americans um, because of the the role of cell phones and your video um, that um, people were capturing videos of really horrific things that were happening to black folks Mm -hmm. and a large part by people who were supposed to be protecting them. So, you know, we wrote the book in part to kind of explain that conundrum and to explain that um, that moment in time was not necessarily special, but instead part of a longer legacy of, um, of, of, of racism, of race, of anti-black racism specifically, um, and, and to help our readers think about what are the things that they could do to ameliorate some of the disparities that we see in all walks of American life. Yeah. So how does one, Candace, how does one stay woke, or Tahima, either one, how does one stay woke? What does that mean? Well, um, staying woke, I mean, so we, we were really kind of grabbing towards, you know, um, popular culture and, and how people are using this, um, this phrase and this idea of, of, you know, being conscious of what's going on around you, right? Um, and not only being conscious of it, but wanting to possibly acquire more information, but then also put that information to work, right? It's, it's one thing to be, um, to be really knowledgeable, Right, and to kind of have this, you know, encyclopedia type of mind of all these things that happened in history, and and be a policy wonk. But if you don't 
um, if you don't try to implement these these changes in your in your life, in your political life, in your personal life, then um, then you're really missing the boat. You're really missing an opportunity to to work with other people. Um, and so so this is a call to action to um, to to constantly be doing better. Right? That that there are ways that all of us have been probably, in one way or another, um, perpetuating different types of inequalities. Yes. And yeah. that, that, you know, when we, when we are, attune ourselves to the experiences of other people and to trends that have been happening, um, you know, across our country and historically, then we're, we're in a much better place to start to act and to start making change by, you know, not just changing ourselves, but like changing how we interact with other people. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think that's a very important point because a lot of us have unconscious biases, even those of us who are aware that they're so ingrained we don't realize. We might see a person of another color walking the street who's much larger than us, and we immediately cross the street. That's an unconscious bias. How do we work with that? Well, I mean, I, I would say that most people aren't. Most people aren't aware of that. And so even just bringing, um, having a word for it, unconscious bias or implicit bias, is an important first step to just have a framework that, um, that, you know, even if you have it in your heart that you are the least racist person on the face of the planet, that indeed we've all been, in, we've all been socialized with similar images um, similar words attached to certain kinds of bodies. And so, you know, actually implicit bias, unconscious bias is, is really hard to do. And it's, um, it's, it's mostly the way our, our brain works. You know, when you're driving, you don't think, let's turn, I'm turning left. And there's a person over there, red light. You know, these are all things that we do implicitly. And, and it's similar when we interact with people from other racial groups. But, you know, part of it is that we also know that we live very segregated lives and that most of the people that we interact with are not like us. And so even just interrogating um, what, what, how do we live our lives that might further embed those implicit biases um, because you don't know people who aren't like you. Yeah, I think it's so true. The other thing I want to mention to both of you is there's a new documentary out by Chelsea Handler. I don't know if you saw uh-huh. that, but it was a fabulous interview that she did. Yeah, and it's all about um, her take on racial biases and how she saw it in her own life with a former boyfriend of color where they mm-hmm. got into some trouble and she got off right away and he did not. And mm-hmm. so she was very clear about what she wants to do in terms of making people aware. It was very powerful. I've only yeah, seen I mean, we a need more work like that. that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and, yeah. and at least, you know, somebody, um, what I know of her, right, I haven't seen the documentary, but what I know of her is that she, um, you know, has been willing to kind of like examine some of the, the more unsavory parts of her, yeah. of her, you know, her personality and her history. And, and we all have that, right? There's also unsavory parts about our country. And we need to be willing to, to look at those and to know that looking at those doesn't deem us unpatriotic, that, mm-hmm. that interrogating that means that we, we believe that we can do better and that our country is capable of better and that we are capable of being better. So, you know, that, that we have, you know, maybe that there's an example of this documentary that she's modeling a kind of courage, right, and, and uh, probably... 
um, from what I've seen in the trailer, maybe a little bit of awkwardness. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, this is not, um, this is not a smooth thing. <laughs> <laughs> when people start to confront their biases, it's awkward. But you know, we we are explicitly in our book encouraging people to to carry on and to you know pick themselves back up and try again. Yeah, and you know, then there's another whole piece I'd like to explore with both of you, and that's this whole thing of white privilege. We're hearing a lot about that, and it's it's a tough one because you know those of us who are white. Um, we don't think of ourselves as having white privilege many times. I mean, I never thought of that until I thought about it. And I'd I'd like you to explore that a little bit, you know, until I really, really thought about it, because it's just, well, this is who I am. I don't consider it privilege. This is just who I am. But there is is white privilege. So could could both of you, um, Tahima, could you um, comment on that? And then Candace? Sure. Um, I'm actually also writing... um, Another book right now, and Candace is like author of many books, um, but, we, but we both take on these issues of, of whiteness and colorblindness. And um, one thing that, um, that, I, that I've learned in doing research with talking to like white racial justice activists, people who have been like committed to, um, to rooting out uh, structural and interpersonal racism, um, even they... Are know that they have blind spots, right? And sometimes yes. it, it kind of creeps up on them, um, and that if they don't, if they remove themselves from a context in which they're being challenged, and if they remove themselves from a context of like of um, of non-whiteness, right? Like they need to be around like people of color sometimes to even be aware that they have a racial identity, right? That um, that it's very easy for even some of the most so-called woke white people to forget their, you know, this identity that's very normative. It's, 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 a lot of people have argued that whiteness is one of the ways that, um, that we have been programmed to think about what's universal, right? So that, like, you know, authentic, real people, like, live in a, some kind of white way. And so white privilege in a policy way is, is the kind of thing that we've seen in, um, in the GI Bill, the first GI Bill, where... Where you know seemingly all these great um, benefits were coming towards returning um, veterans from World War II, but the way that they structured the the both the the writing of the bill and the implementation of the bill was to purposely leave out or to um, to make it so that black people didn't have the kind of chances that white people did to get that home loan or to get that education or to get that apprenticeship. And, and so even in what was like seemingly a universal colorblind, race-blind piece of legislation had different impacts on people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this wasn't because the, the white servicemen coming back were saying, hey, I want to be privileged, right? It was because right. the way it was implemented that they got the benefit while others didn't. So it's about kind of this relative boost, right? It's like a relative advantage. It's the, and in a more personal way, it's the way that people who are white are more often um, ascribed with a kind of innocence, right? Or a kind of, you know, knowledge, whereas people of color are often attributed with, with other, you know, uh, qualities like being lazy, right? Not being very bright, being criminal, right? These assumptions that upon the first time you ever meet a person, is, is making the playing field very uneven, right? That these are, these are some of the ways that white privilege plays out. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to hand Candace now. She got things to say. Candace, go ahead. We've got one minute to break. Go ahead, Candace. So I think the main thing that we like to drive home is that um, when we, people talk about white privilege, they're they're talking. We're talking on average, and we're talking about probabilities. And so what what white privilege helps us to understand is that on average. Um, white Americans have more wealth, better health, better outcomes, better schools, more likely to get the benefit of the doubt, able to find Band-Aids the same color as their skin or baby dolls or have fewer negative stereotypes associated with people like them on average than other people. So it's not necessarily about one person getting something over another person, but that in the aggregate, we tend to have a pattern where white folks in this country are, on average, better off than people of color. Yeah, very true. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to find out why is a movement specifically focused on black lives important instead of just for all communities of color. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about more about vocabulary, and we'll talk more about racial progress and what metrics we might use, and, and more. We are talking to the co-authors of the book, Stay Woke, All People's Guide, a People's Guide to Making All Black Lives Matter, written by Tahima Lopez-Benyasi and Candace Watt-Smith. We'll be back with them right after the break, right here on the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you understand your feline friends as well as you'd like? Why do they behave the way they do? If behavior issues get out of hand, how do you fix things? Get the answers and more when you listen to Cat Talk Radio with host Molly DeVos. We'll give you the straight facts, offer some tried and tested ideas, and alert you as to what's being done in this country and worldwide to save cats and shelter challenges. Cat Talk Radio on Voice America Variety. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. My guests are Tahima Lopez-Benyasi and Candace Watts-Smith. Their book is Stay Woke, A People's Guide to Making All Black Lives Matter. And welcome back, Tahima. Welcome back, Candace. Thank you. All right. So I want to go back to the question I was asking before the break. Why is the movement specifically focused on black lives important? Why not focus on one that advocates for all communities of color. Can't. Of the things that we do in our book is we open up by uh, with an analogy. And the analogy is um, if you're walking down the street and there is a building on fire, um, all of the buildings matter, but it might be most important to deal with the one that's on fire right then. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't, um, then the other buildings are going to burn down too. And so we use this analogy mostly to point out the specificity of the issues that black people face, but also to show that, um, that, that, the, that the challenges that um, poor black folks and women and formerly incarcerated and undocumented and um, differently abled transgender black people are facing are, are connected um, to, other, to other groups and to society, generally speaking. So uh, a movement that focuses on black people um, highlights the specificity of the issues at hand, but it is also a collective, right? So it's not only black lives matter. And really what, the, what, what is trying to be said is um, all lives will matter only when black lives also matter. So it's both the specificity and the interconnectedness that is um, being called up in this kind of one, in this one chant. Mm. Right. And I mean, there, there's a lot of good reasons why, you know, some other book could be focusing on another group of people and the kinds of, you know, very specific challenges that they face. Those books also need to be written and read, right? But, um, and we're not in, uh, we're trying to make any kind of claim about like, um, that, that it's more important to talk about black people than it is to talk about any other group, but there is, there is a certain way that the meaning of freedom and that the recognition of rights has been um, doled out, has been manifest in this country because of, because of the, the way that whiteness and blackness were created together, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, that, that it's, not, it's not surprising that that so many of the struggles of, of other people are tied into that of blacks, right? And that, um, you know, where, when, when black people are doing better, right? Like the rest of the country is doing better. Like there, in some ways there is a barometer, right? Looking at, you know, how well black people are doing. Um, and so, and so we, we think it's, it's deserving to, to be so specific, right? Mm-hmm. So how would you measure racial progress? I mean, what metric would you use? How do we know we're, how do we know we're progressing? Tahima? Well, we, we, oh, go ahead, Tahima. 
I was going to say, um, we've been um, we've been really spending a lot of time talking about racial disparities. So when Candace earlier was talking about you know disparities in health and education and income, these um, when those gaps close, that's I mean that's that's one clear measure that things are getting better. Um, the problem is that a lot of these gaps haven't closed, and some of them haven't closed for like forty years. Right? There may have been things that happened forty years ago that brought us closer together, and now we're getting further apart. So, um, so that's one clear indication that, you know, if, if we, um, if the way people are being treated in the criminal justice system and in schools and in workplaces are similar, right, and if the people are getting home loans at the same rate and they're getting similar types of home loans, like, that's, these are, these are metrics that we can use. Like, they're objective um, and there are statistics that are collected all the time. So it's relatively available. It's so, so important. Uh, anything to add to that, Candace? No, I would say, you know, even when you walk around your own town, you know, there's, a, there's probably a black side of town or a Latino side of town, a white side of town. And because of that, you also know where people go to school, you know, what kind of house they live in, you know, which hospitals they're closest to. And so, you know, when I think about how we can measure racial progress, I would say that if you meet a person and you can't predict anything about them based on their race, then we're in a better situation. But for the most part, you know, you meet someone on the street, you can probably tell a lot about them or predict at least a lot about them from just just their race, and, and that's not okay. And if I could also just jump back onto that, um, there's a part in our book where we talk about looking to children as a, as a, a metric in a way. So if... It, and the reason why children is because children have, um, they don't have necessarily the same power and agency that adults do, right? They're not creating their own circumstances. I mean, and the argument that, we, of course, we make is that, like, not every, most people aren't creating all of their own circumstances, period, even as adults. But it's so much more obvious for children. So when we talk about things like meritocracy, when we talk about children who have, you know, a child who doesn't know how to learn, how to write, um, or even speak, at, you know, because they're so young. You, how can you, how can you talk about their deservingness, right? Like we have to, we we lead with the assumption that all children should have everything that they need. But when we look at their actual life circumstances, when we know that black babies are dying at a higher rate than white babies, we we know something is wrong, right? They haven't created, nor have they kind of entered the world of changing their circumstances. So that's another way we can, we can look to see the health of our country. Yeah. So we have a couple minutes left. So the question is, how can we stay woke and avoid being a complicit racist, even though we'll say, oh, I'm not a racist, but that sort of complicity. So t- talk about that, both of you. Candace? Well, one thing that we would say, I mean, we're, we're political scientists, and so that's really um, an, an important, thinking about politics is an important um, way that we just kind of walk the world. And so, you know, for us, staying woke is, like we mentioned, um, building knowledge and gaining knowledge, but also using it. And so I would say, you know, if I were just going to give one tidbit, as we're approaching the, the 2020 election, 
um, I would like to encourage folks to not think about it as the presidential election, but the 2020 elections at all levels of government. And most of our lives, most of the disparities that we see are rooted in local level politicians and state level politicians and policymakers' decisions. So you can stay woke by um, keeping your local representatives accountable for the ways that they may um, introduce or exacerbate inequalities in your community. That's that's up to us. Very we good can point. we can we can do that from from you know the voting box at least. All right, Chahima, your comments. Right, and in some of that is not just holding them accountable, but also possibly teaching them. Right, that these are did. People who run for office are, at the end of the day, they are people, and they are also lacking some information. So, um, you know, that when you when you do learn something, share it with somebody, right? Um, and and put yourself in a situation from time and again in the scary situation of admitting that you don't know everything, right? And that um, you have something to learn. Um, I think I think that there are ways that you know we can. Um, Traveling is a good thing. Getting out of our comfort zone is is important as well. But um, I, I really think to the point about politics and how we can just get involved daily, um, ask questions, you know. Like if, if, if you are um, ever accused of being a racist, ask why that person thinks that. What, well, what do you mean by racism? Like let's start a conversation, right? Like and part of saying woke is like asking questions, mm-hmm. Um so, you know, to open, to, let's open ourselves up to that and, um, and, and, and be willing to bring other people along, right, mm-hmm. to try to try meet people where they're at and cultivate that conversation yep. and trust to, to bring them to another level, right? right. Thank that's, you That's both one thing so that much. we can do in our lives. Thank you both so much for being on. I wish we had more time, but it's wonderful. How can people find the book? Oh, my. They can go to all kinds of outlets. They can go to New York University Press's website. They can go to Amazon. And they can now go to bookstores in in whatever area they live in because our book comes out officially tomorrow. Oh, wonderful. That's so great. It was great to kind of be on the cutting edge of all that. Terrific. (laughs) All right. So I want to thank you both again. And the book is called Stay Woke, A People's Guide to Making All Black Lives Matter by Tahima Lopez-Benyasi and Candace Watts-Smith. Again, thanks you both for being on the program. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Much appreciated. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Stay on the line for a second. All right, folks, that wraps up this first half hour. We have another program coming for you next, so stay tuned right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.